If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to go with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 with me, please. Hebrews chapter 10. I so want to be an encouragement, and I know every preacher says that, that they want to encourage their people, but I do want to do that. I want to be an encouragement to you. Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to find your place in verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 35. And thank you for turning. I'll do my best. I know that you have worked hard today. I try to be mindful of those things sometimes as far as how many places I have you turned to or whatever. But, uh, but I, I want you to be able to listen tonight. And I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this tonight. And I'm, I'm trying not, you know, somebody, some clever fellow said that when you got enough feed for 55 head and only five show up, you don't give it to them all at one time. All right. <laughs> And so uh, I, I'll try not to wear out the saints tonight. But uh, so we may look at this, I think, maybe for the next, um, I, I don't know how long, but for the next couple of Wednesdays for sure, all right? And so uh, I, I want to speak to you tonight about taking heart. Just to take heart, church. Take heart. Let's read Hebrews 10, look in verse 35. Notice what the Bible says. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that, after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Forget a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Uh, Brother Larry, I think it goes right along with what you prayed. About our country. I, I like it when our, our wanter and his giver, amen, are all tuned in, all lined up. That's how that works. Uh, the things that we desire in the will of God, he is more than happy to give them to us. And I want to encourage you tonight, and in, in, spite of, uh, in spite of the times, in spite of what we see, in spite of what you read in the daily times or the epic time, in spite of all these things, our blessed Savior is still on the throne. Amen? Amen. And, uh, and I want you to take heart. And what I simply mean by that, to take heart, is uh, it's an expression which simply means to be encouraged, to, to be brightened, and to be strengthened in mind and in spirit. You know, for a lot of folks, the holidays, and in particular, especially Christmas, the holidays... Uh, can produce a melancholy or even a spirit of depression. And for some, it goes as far as despair. And, you know, uh, in, in this time of year, every year, but particularly, you know, whenever I remember working on the ambulance, and I, I hope I don't wear you all out with that, but it just was an avenue for many different things to see and have interaction with a lot of different people uh, of the community. And so... One of those things we always dreaded whenever there was a holiday and we were working, whether it be Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, Christmas or New Year's or whatever, you know, things that were meant to be on the calendar that were meant to be a special time, a time of rejoicing or thanksgiving would turn into something very negative when maybe that person was going to have the worst day of their life. And uh, because that day no longer would hold its same meanings. It would just be the anniversary of some tragedy and loss. And so it's a shame. But, you know, this time of year, do you know the suicide rate goes up? 
Did you know that statistically suicides increase over the holidays? Because for a lot of people, it's depressing. Whether they look at what they don't have or they focus on just on what they on uh, on what others have and not what they have, or what they have lost and others still have theirs. I mean, I, I can remember going through a hurricane and. Um, and the power being off for several days. And when somebody else got power ahead of some of the others in the church, this person just wept and cried because it just wasn't fair that other people had electricity and air conditioning and they were still without it. I mean, it's amazing sometimes how, how uh, situations can reveal things, if you will, reveal shallowness or needs in our life. But at the same time, I, I want you to know that as believers, you know, you and I, we don't have to fall prey to that. And the, and the loved ones that we have, when they see things or what they don't have or what others do have, that we can be a source of encouragement to them and, uh, and that we should be, that we can come along. You know, that's why the Bible says two are better than one. If one falls down, there's another one there to help pick him up. And so we can have that ministry, if you will, of encouraging, but we ourselves need to have that. And so as believers, you know, we have some things. Number one, we've got the Lord's reliability. Our Heavenly Father is reliable. Amen. He is reliable and he is also credible. And if you look at his track record, look at the things that he has done over the years. And not just in the lives of Bible characters, but in your own lives. But, we, but we're bad. I mean, sometimes we can't remember why we went outside. Amen. We, we got up and went outside and we can't remember uh, for what reason we went out there. And sometimes I'm going to say that's even true about maybe some of the past blessings that we have had. You know, our kids remember a lot of the, sometimes some of the negative things about growing up. We say like, well, when did that happen? I don't remember doing that. I, I think uh, our daughter, and she might watch this someday, but I remember she had this do you remember, ladies, when the strawberry shortcake stuff came out? All the girls wanted strawberry shortcake things. I, I didn't matter to me, but uh, obviously. But strawberry shortcake was a popular thing. And Christy had this little, was it, a, it was a stroller for a, a, a doll, wasn't it, or something like that? Strawberry shortcake. But it was about falling apart, and it was nasty looking. And I don't know who threw it out. I don't know if it was you or me. I can't remember which. I'll take the blame, and I'll say that I threw it out. Well, you know, uh, I, I mean, we were we were having a discussion about something probably six months ago or whatever, or maybe a little bit longer. And Christy brought that up. She said, "You know, I really like that stroller. Y'all threw it out, <laughs> you know." And I said, "We did." You know, and she said, "Yeah, you did." I didn't remember. I, I couldn't remember it, so she had to refresh my memory. My, I said all that just to say that we're bad about forgetting. And so there there's some things that uh, that that I I want to. Uh, that I, I just want to provoke you a little bit, if I can tonight, to take heart, to be encouraged, to be strengthened in your mind and in your spirit, because this is where the battle really is, right up here between the ears. And uh, this is the battlefield that you and I face. And, and the Bible says this, you know, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. Beloved, that's where we need to keep our thinking and our thoughts as, as we contemplate our nation, as we contemplate uh, our, our maybe a lot closer to home, our own community, our, amongst our family members. 
things that happen. I mean, just like, you know, Brother Roger having surgery and, and this uh, young couple uh, with two kids, I think two or three kids and, and so forth, had a fire tragically. We really don't know what a day is going to bring. We really don't know. But there are some things that I do know. And I, you're right there in Hebrews 10. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 13 with me. Hebrews chapter 13. And I'd like you to look with me in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 in verse 5. And I want to say to you, first of all, something that you and I need to remember is that God is with us. That God is with us. And if you'd like to, I, I, if you don't mind, I'd like you instead of saying us, I'd like you to say the word me. God is with me. Will you say that out loud with me? Amen. I, I think you said that like you meant it. All right. And, uh, and, and, but sometimes, you know, you have to remember that, that God is with me. One of the things the devil loves to do, in addition to accusing the brethren, he does try to wear out the saints. And he loves to sort of get us in a situation where we feel like that we are alone. And that is not true. We are not alone, whether it be in our circumstance or, or, or the situation that we have found ourselves in. David said in Psalm 139, he said, Whither shall I flee from thy presence? There's not a place that you and I can tread with our feet that is outside the reach of our Heavenly Father. I, you know, I mentioned Earl Hughes earlier, and he said, Sometimes I have a hard time getting a hold of God. But he said, But God doesn't have any trouble getting a hold of me. Amen. And that's the important thing. It's not how well I'm holding on to him, but it's how well he's holding on to me. God is with me. And God is with you, beloved. You're his child. You and I, need. we need to remember this. You know, the Lord told Moses and Joshua, he said, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. That's what he told Joshua, a young man. That's what he said to him. The angel told Gideon, I mean, you remember Gideon, right? He was that guy, where was he? he well, he was in the threat. He was supposed to be in the threshing floor, but where was he? He was in the wine press. Do you remember that? He was in the wine press. And the wine press was a place where you mashed out grapes. The threshing floor was a place intended to be out in the open where the breeze could come through. So as you winnowed the wheat, in other words, you, you would uh, take that fork or whatever you had, that shovel, whatever, whatever instrument they had, you would sort of pitch that in the air. And what happens? The, the grain would fall to the ground and the chaff being lighter would blow away. Well, you have to be out in the open in order to do that. But Gideon was in the wine press. Why? He was hiding out from the Midianites. He didn't want them to know that he had grain. Why? He was afraid. Gideon was a fearful man. And, and that angel came along and said, the Lord is with thee. And I think Gideon, came, like, are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, uh, Gideon didn't believe. He said, thou mighty man of valor. Then, ben, then he said, man, I'm the least in my family. I'm the seventh. Of, I mean, he had all these reasons why he didn't amount to very much. But the Bible says that that angel said, the Lord is with thee. And what I'm asking you, do you believe that God is with you? Do you really believe that? 
I know that we have moments where that increases and decreases, I think, sometimes. But we've got to be aware of that, particularly in this stage of our lives. We, we've got to, you know, one of the things, that, you know, when John was writing, he wrote to three different group of people. He wrote to those children because they had just been saved. They knew the Lord. He wrote to those young men because the word of God was abiding in them. And he also wrote to those fathers. It said, because you have known him. Man, don't you have a track record? You should have. You should have a memorial of God's deliverance in your life where the Lord was with you at different moments in your life. And he manifested himself. The angel told Gideon, the Lord is with me. Paul said this, you know, he said, uh, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it will not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and did what? And strengthened me. That's 2 Timothy 4 and verse 16 and 17. The Lord stood with him and strengthened him. And beloved, what he has done for others, he will do for us. Remember Romans 15 and verse 4 says, Knowing this, that the things that were written aforetime were for our learning, and that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. And God wants us, that's not a hope, well, uh, maybe so. That's not the kind of hope that it is. It's a confidence, steadfast and sure that we have in the Lord. And so David, so again, the Lord told Paul in the book of Acts, he said, for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee for I have much people in this city. He, why? What was he getting ready to do? He was getting ready to go into Athens in Rome there. He was going to Athens and said, I got much people in that city and go on into Rome. I've got a lot of people in that city and I'm going to be with you. And the Lord has made a promise to us. Hebrews 13 verse 5 said, watch, I hadn't forgot about that. Let's go back and read it. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Now that, that's not your words alone. That's your whole lifestyle, your whole manner of living. That's what that word conversation means. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Man, God is committed. I, you know, I hear y'all talk about your children in good terms and loving terms. Why? They're, they're all grown, man. They've got kids and their kids have got kids. Some of you are great grandparents uh, more than once. Some of you got several and so forth. And yet, you know what? When you talk about them, when you refer to them, I watch your faces. They still light up. You still speak from your heart. Why? Because you still love them. Isn't that so? It is. Man, those are your kids. Well, how much more does our Heavenly Father love us and think about us? You know, it's funny. Some people, some people claim that God has always been with them. I, you know, that, that sounds nice, but I don't think that's Bible. Per se. Now listen, uh, let, let me put the balance on that. Yes, I think the Lord heard everything and saw everything that I had ever done up until the day that I got saved. I think he knew about all those things. And, uh, and so, but the bottom line is, is that though he may have seen and heard everything, uh, it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't make for sonship. In other words, sonship must be a part of a relationship. And that's how we get in the family of God, by being born again. And so, and so God is with his children. He is with us. 
And you and I, we need to be convinced of that. Not, not that we, we don't, but sometimes when certain trials come along, we wonder, okay, Lord, where are you? I mean, even David wrote and said, how long, Lord? And you know, as I was going through the book of Revelation, remember those souls that had been beheaded? They're underneath the altar. How long, Lord? And you know, we, we could do anything pretty well, I suppose, except for waiting. <laughs> We're just not very good at that. But God is with his children. You know, one, one of the places that I appreciate that he is with us is man is in my failures. God is still with me in my failures. You know, I, I want you to turn, turn left in your Bible. Go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 16. And if the Lord is with me in my failures as your child, as being his children, I suspect that he is still with you as well. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a friend loveth at all times. It also says there that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and that's the Lord Jesus. And I think that our Savior loves us at what? At all times. Whether that be in achievement or whether it be in adversity when things are not going well. Because his love for us is unconditional. Now, now what's going to happen here, Mark 16, the Lord's already been crucified and, uh, and he has risen three days later, you know, according to the scriptures, the stone had been rolled away. And uh, I want you to find, notice what it says. Mark here is writing. And uh, let's look in verse four. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. I suppose that would make me afraid too, amen? And, uh, and he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Now watch, but go your way, tell his disciples, and look at this, and Peter. Now he doesn't mention any of the other disciples. He didn't say, tell Bartholomew, tell John, uh, tell James, tell, tell Matthew. Uh, he didn't do that. He said, tell the disciples and Peter. Now, why do you suppose he singled him out? Now, I think you probably know the reason why. Remember, Peter's the one that said, Lord, I don't know about these other boys in here, but I will, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm ready to die for you. And, and I give him credit, man, when, when they came there in the garden to get him and, uh, and those soldiers came and all. I mean, Peter took his sword out. I don't think he was aiming for the ear. I think he was aiming for the head. Amen. And got the ear and the Lord healed that man and, and, and the like. But then we know that Peter, he went out there and he denied the Lord three times. I mean, it wasn't just one failure, but it was another and another. Three times in a row, he failed and did not do what he said that he was going to do. And a lot of times, you know, that's what happens. We, we say things and we mean well when, the, when there's no pressure, when there's no heat. And sometimes we engage our mouth before we really engage our brain 
about the circumstances. Lord, I'll never deny you. And how did, how did Peter respond when the cock crew? The Bible says that he wept bitterly. He even cursed. I mean, somehow the Lord saw him. I, I, I try, I've not been to the Holy Land. I couldn't tell you where that was or how that looked, but there was a way when Peter looked in there, he saw that the Lord had made eye contact with him. There's something about that when you look a person in the eyes. And it pierced him. And man, he was in bitterness of soul, was he not? He just, I mean, he just so dis... And that's what happens when we trust ourselves. A lot of times, that's, you know, we just put too, emphasis, too much emphasis on ourselves and our own strength and our own abilities. And then, then when failure comes, because we've trusted so much, our pride gets in the way. And so what did Peter do? Man, he said, I go a-fishing, right? Go to John 21 with me. You're right there. Go to John chapter 21. I just want you to know that God is with his children even in our failures, beloved. Do you believe that? You, 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 you have to because you know what? We, we fail often. We just do. And uh, But John 21, I don't like to fail. Nobody likes failing. And... Uh, but in John chapter 21, we know where this is. You know, in verse 1, it says, are you there? John 21, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, right? The sons of thunder. And two other of his disciples, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And I mean, why? I mean, he figured that he was out of the running. He was going back to his craft. He was going back to his trade. He wasn't like Matthew who just got up from the table of receipt and forsook all and followed him. He didn't do that. Peter said, man, there's no hope for me. I... He was ashamed, sister. You're right. And that's how failure, I mean... Thank God, we, thank God that we as his children still feel some of that. Amen. The word is called shamefacedness in the Bible. And there's a lot of people these days that, that don't have any shamefacedness. In other words, they don't blush about anything. They're never embarrassed. I understand. Uh, yeah, Siri, I know you don't understand. <laughs> she talks too much. <laughs> but, uh, but Peter, man, he just thought there was, you know, he wasn't going to be used. I'm, no, I'm not useful anymore. And, uh, and, and that's why the Lord tried to tell him. And he said, you know, I, I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Why? Because the devil wanted to sift him. When you sift something, ladies, do you remember those days? When the flour had lumps in it, do, do, people still do that, don't they? Don't they still sift flour? It's been sitting there for a little while, and that isn't that what it does? It gets the lumps out, and maybe gets the critters out, whatever's whatever's been in there, that extra protein that they put in our flour these days. And uh, and, and he said that Satan hath desired to sift you like wheat. And when sifting removes things, and he said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith 
fail not. What was the devil trying to do? The devil was trying to knock him out of the saddle by using the truth of what happened, not a lie. And the Lord said, I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. But it, to me, it looks like a little bit here that his faith was failing him. Why? Because he was going back from whence he came. And he said, I go fishing. And then when they saw him on there on the shore, Peter didn't have his clothes on. Man, he jumped in the water, didn't he? Ashamed again. So, so sometimes in that, now he didn't, he didn't get that word, but he got that word. Those disciples came to him and said, Peter, he wanted you to know. I believe they delivered that message. But nonetheless, after these things, Peter said, I go a fishing. It was going to take a little more to restore him. He tried to reassure him. And that's what we have as believers. In my failure, God is with me to reassure me sometimes. It might be through a brother. It might be through a sister. Someone to come along to encourage you. Maybe, maybe they know about your failure. Whatever it might have been. Whatever, whatever it is that has sort of kind of taken the wind out of you. Out of your sails. You know those ships... They didn't always find those winds to be favorable. And sometimes there was no wind. Those are called the doldrums. You know what they would have to do? They'd have to get a boat, a small boat, put a bunch of men in it, put the oars out, and they would have to drag that ship through those calm waters because there was no wind to get in the sails. And that's kind of like what the Lord sometimes, I think, has to do for us and he uses other people in our lives sometimes to get hooked on say, hey, come on, let's keep moving, let's keep moving. Thank God for those people, amen, amen. that know how to show mercy. Because that's when, isn't that when you need mercy the most is when we failed? So he was trying to reassure him, but he does restore him here in John 21. And you know the story. All those times. So God, you know what he was doing there? And he said, what? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then he asked, he said, lovest thou me more than these? What he was trying to get Peter to tell the truth about was that he wasn't, he wasn't better than those other men. He wasn't more spiritual than those other men. He didn't love the Lord more than those other men. And he wanted him to see that, to acknowledge that. And he said, well, if that be so, he said, Lord, finally get down there. And he was, oh, Lord, you know all things, <laughs> you know. Because he's using a different kind of word for love there, like brotherly love, you know, those kind of things. Do you phileo me? That's like the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's where that comes from. And, uh, and, and so Peter had to go through that. But the Lord does restore him. And then look what happens. Man, on the day of Pentecost, when he gets up there, and he even used the word that you have denied the Holy One of Israel. The very thing that he had done, he, he, he reproved them for what they had done, those Jews. And we all know, man, 3,000 got saved on that day, didn't they? Wow. So God can restore us. And he is with me, even in my failure. You know, one of the passages says, he said this, he said, you know, he, he said there in, uh, I think it's in the book of Hebrews when he said that, you know, that he cannot, you know, even though we're not faithful, he cannot deny himself. 
He remaineth faithful. Just like we as parents. So God is with his children in their failures. He's also with his children when we're in the fires. Fires of what? Fires of trial. Sometimes fires of temptation. Remember the Hebrew boys? There was that fourth man in there. Man, you know, they sing that song. You know, he's still in the fire. Amen. Why? He's still in there. And those guys, they had to go through that. They went in there bound, but they came out those same fires of trial, loosed them. And you know, when the Lord brought them through, they, when they got out of there, they didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't smell like that guy amen, who smelled good enough to eat, brother. They didn't smell like, like uh, Krause's uh, smoked meats or Essacars that I would go as a boy. Man, you go in there... If you like bacon and ham smoked, that, that place would make the saliva run. But I mean, they didn't even smell like smoke because the Lord was with them. And sometimes you've been through some real trials. Sometimes the trying of your faith and you brought, brought, God brought you through it and has made you stronger as a result. You know, a bone that's broken, do you know when it heals, it's actually stronger than when it, than when it was first born? Did you know that? It puts a layer on there in that where that crack, where that fracture was, and it's made stronger by the breaking. We like that. We just don't like what it takes to have that. <laughs> Amen. So the Lord is with me in my failures. He's with me in the fire. Sometimes, sometimes the trials that others bring about in our life. Sometimes it's not the things that we have done. Sometimes it's the things that others whom we love have done and it brings a great trial the trying of our faith and God is with us in those times and sometimes it's brought about by the circumstances that I'm in it may not be anything to do with my own doing it might just be something that happened it might just be a series of events that God allowed to be put together in my life to bring some heaviness in my life and yet God will be with me in that if I will keep my what? Keep my mind stayed on thee. That's what he's wanting from us to remember. And to take heart in these things. God's with me in my failures, in the fires, and also in my future. You remember what David said? David said in Psalm 138, he said, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Man, I'm glad. And Philippians said what? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God is with you. And you need to take heart in that. That there's not a... I mean, if he knows the numbers of the hairs of your head, then he knows every... <laughs> He knows where every nickel is as you try to be a good steward. He knows where every need is and, and what's going to happen tomorrow that you and I don't have a clue about. And yet he's very much aware of those things and will be with me and with you in those hours when we have to have him. I, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that he is, you know, that he is near unto all those that call upon him. And that we do have some angels. I, I do believe in guardian angels. I don't know about you, but the Bible does say that the angels camp round about them that fear him. And if, I, if we're in the right mindset, if we're in the right frame of heart and spirit, I, I believe those angels will be working on our behalf because they are ministering spirits in our lives. 
So, beloved, take heart. It, it, may look, it may look dark out there. I don't know all the things that you're facing, family trials, financed physical things. I mean, I, I don't know, and probably you don't know. But I just know this, whatever it might be, God will be with me in it. And the Lord will be with you as well. And we need to take heart in that. Be strengthened in that. We have the Lord's reliability. We have his credibility. And the fact that he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. I don't have to go searching for him. I don't have to look all over heaven for him. No, no. He knows my situation. He knows my circumstance. And he loves to be trusted in those times. And even when we speak well about him, do you know he records those things? Did you know that? You read Malachi chapter 4, there were some men walking down the road and they were talking about the things of God because a lot of other people, you know, there were others that's mentioned in the early part in the first three chapters of Malachi. When did we see this? When did we do that? In other words, it was vain to serve the Lord and all these kind of things. But the Lord marks down those men who were on the roadside talking about the things of God. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make up my crown. These are going to be some jewels for me. Beloved, when you and I talk about the things of God and we speak about him in a, in a faith-filled way, the Lord marks that down because he knows that he is on your heart and mind. And in such, he will give you that perfect peace that we got to have for the times. So let's take heart together. Amen. Let's take heart. I will just say it with me one more time. God is with me. Will you say it? Amen. He is with me. He really is. All right, let's pray. Father, I so thank you, Lord, for the precious word of God. Thank you for the promises, but more importantly, Lord, I thank you for the one who made the promises, who indeed is reliable and credible, and Lord, is honorable. And Lord, I just pray that our people would be strengthened, Lord, as we walk in this life, in these days, in these perilous times, we might keep our focus and our attention, Lord, upon you. That's what Hezekiah did. And the people were encouraged by the words of Hezekiah. He said, our eyes are fixed upon thee. And so, Lord, it's where we are today. And we love you and we trust you and we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.